welcome to the Judgment Day Refreshment Committee. I am your host as ever, sexy, sexy Dory Peacock. With me as always is my co-host, legendary mountain-shaped Native American folkloric princess, Tim Panogus Maurice. Dory, I have a question for you. Indeed. Who is your favorite army wife? Ooh, I don't know. I like the one that got divorced and is now living with her friend who is also an army wife and then had an affair with the other lady's son. Ooh, where's that Hallmark original movie? That's Army Wives. That's the TV show that my parents like watching that I watched with them when I went home for Labor Day. What? This is real? There's a TV show called Army Wives. Yeah, you didn't know this? I didn't know this, and now my world is better for having known it. Yeah, Army Wives, bro. Gee, Dory, how are you? I'm good. I got to like, okay, sorry. Now you got me on army wives. It really is like, it's, it's, it really is like kind of a Hallmark show. In fact, I think <laughs> it might be from the Hallmark network, but it's on Netflix and my parents discovered it. And apparently in the next month or two, they're going to take it off of Netflix. And so my parents are hurrying to finish army wives before it is taken away. Oh, dang. Yeah. And so I watched an episode with them. Um, not great acting, but, um, <laughs> Still pretty, like, kind of sucks you in. Kind of sucks you in in a cool way. Some of the wives are in the army. Some of the wives are married to folks who are in the army. Are there any wives who are married to wives who are in the army? Are there any gay wives? No. Yeah, gay army wives. Uh, not so far. No. Okay. But again, it's like a... Like <sighs> All a right. Hallmark original. Uh, good point. I think they started making it before the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, so I don't think it was like a That's a, a, that's a good point. But anyway, we didn't watch Army Wives. <laughs> we did not watch As Army usual, Wives. As usual, we've started out talking about something we didn't watch for the podcast. Oh, can we talk about the other things that we didn't watch for the podcast that happened recently? Uh, I guess so, yeah. Um, Gee, Dory, you know what came out at the VMAs? Uh, my heart. <laughs> a new Taylor Swift song, yes, but oh, we already talked. About, we talked about that. On we our talked last about episode. that, but we didn't talk about the trailer that came out for the TV show of Heather's, <laughs> which is coming out next year. Oh man, that's a glimpse into our future. And I, feel. I and I want it inside my eyeballs right now. I. I'm nervous about it, to be honest. Like, I feel like Heather's is like one of those awesome little cult things that exists on its own. And I don't know why everything has to be a TV show now. Everyone is saying that. No one but me seems to have faith in this property. Like, I show this to people and they're like, I don't like it. And I'm like, oh, I, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, I think you're a stranger in a strange land on this one. Oh, I think you're kind of on your own there. I just, I don't know. I, I think I think everyone's kind of tired of the nostalgia boom. I, I don't know. I guess every generation has a nostalgia boom. But yeah, I just don't know why everything has to be a TV show. Well, I think that it looks to me like it's going to be doing really interesting things. Mm-hmm. And particularly from a perspective of like a woman and a gay audience perspective, mm-hmm. it's going to be speaking to those people in a, in a really particular way. And I, and so I'm looking forward to it. I, I really, really want to see what they do. And I really, really want to see if it delivers on teenagers version of game of Thrones, basically Yeah, <laughs> all I the murder that's... of game of Thrones, but with, with the caddy, you know, uh, hormonally inhibited 
inhibited, uh, uninhibited version of life that is being a teenager. Yeah. I don't know. See, that's the thing that I worry about is that I I worry it's not going to be as dark and that it's going to turn into like, did you ever see when ABC family tried to do the TV show version of 10 things I hate about you? And it was awful. I didn't see that. Yeah. That was a thing that happened. And I was like, you don't need to like make everything be more things. It can just be the thing it is. But I will say that from the trailers, it looks like it's going to be maybe a little more. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see. I I don't know. I also like, I don't know. Evil Dead is a TV show. Fargo is a TV show. I'm kind of like, can, can things just be a movie and we just leave it there, please? Can we just, can movies just be movies? Do you know the other thing that came out on Netflix? Uh, what? That we didn't watch. Uh, what was the other thing we didn't watch? Uh, Death Note. Oh, yeah. I turned to Tim and I was like, do we need to do Death Note? And he was like, nope. no. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do not. So sorry, guys. We won't be doing Death Note. There, I know it's kind of a YA thing. It, but it, I mean, that happened for a lot of people in 2006. Especially if you were into manga or anime or kind of gothy or a sweet, sweet intersection of all three. Yeah. Um, there's a really good review of Death Note on Anime News Network by Jacob Chapman. I recommend Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's also a couple really good videos about both the Death Note TV show and the new one and kind of where the new one goes astray by the YouTube channel Wisecrack. Mm. So for that one, we will outsource. If anyone wants our Death Note experiences, those people have kind of covered it. Although people kept tweeting about the part um, <sighs> where uh, there's a part in this in this new movie. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Where a thing happens and it's melodramatic and they play Chicago's I Don't Want to Live Without Your Love. I don't want to live without your love. That's as much as I can sing without getting sued. Yeah. And the chord progression for I Don't Want to Live Without Your Love is the same as Christmas Shoes. It is not. It is. It it's, is not. It's close it's, enough it's, that every time I it hear... It might be in the Sir, I want to buy these shoes. Uh, it's close. It's yeah. cl- that part's close it's probably enough. In, it's probably one of the four chord songs. Probably. Those songs all have the same four chords. Anyway, it's probably in that family. Anyway, the point is I have accidentally incepted my own head with Christmas shoes about four times this last week. Oh showing gosh, people death horrible. note things. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that so happened I'm, to you. So I'm adrift between being stuck with Christmas shoes and being alone as an island about the new Heather's TV show. Um, but you know what Jane Eyre said. If all the world hated Heather's and you believed and believed Heather's wicked, while your own conscience approved of you and absolved Heather's from guilt, you would not be without good friends. Mm, okay, yeah. Let's let's plug let's plug that into some Emily Bronte. Why don't we? Do Do you know who else likes that quote, Dory Dory M. Peacock? Uh, I don't. One Anne of the Green Gables. It's true, Anne of Green Gables. So this week we watched Anne with an E, the new adaptation of the book Anne of Green Gables by an author who I'm sure was a human. Oh, gosh. Probably bipedal. Definitely, I would venture to say, an air breather. It's called Anne the Series in Probably Canada. consumed calories. For sustenance. What was the what was the author's name, Tim? Da, da, oh, of the actual da, da, Anne of Green Gables. Da, 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 da. Oh, this is when we do 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 do
Yes. Lucy Maud Montgomery. Lucy Maud Montgomery. Wrote the original Anne of Green Gables books. They were released around the turn of the century. And absolutely nothing else. Not this last, not this turn of the century that we just had, the one before that. Right. The first right. one. The, the turn of the 19th century. So Anne of, Anne of Green Gables is a beloved young adult classic. Uh, came out in the wake of Little Women and other books that were specifically targeted at young girls and women and women. And there was a, uh, there's, there was more, there, there were more books targeted at women before that. And it was kind of the 19th century when YA fiction became a, a thing when it was specifically for young women. There have been so many Anne of Green Gables adaptations in the last hundred years. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, we're going to just, we're going to, so we're going to try and limit ourselves just to Anne with an E. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause that I think is the only one Tim has seen. Is that right, Tim? You know, I have seen, uh, glimmers and snippets of the, was it the nineties or the eighties version? It was the eighties Canadian television That version? premiered on PB, that, that they syndicated on PBS. Yeah. I remember that growing up that I saw images of that. And I do remember there are a couple differences between that one and the new one. And I think that one is the most prolific one that most people are going to remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's kind of the, but anyway, the iconic Dory one. said, we're going to, we're going to review Anne with an E. Um, I have never read the Anne of Green Gables books. I do not know the story that well. And I was a little bit like, oh, fine. I have to watch this show just a little bit. And mm. it is, I will say just, you know, to, to spoil, to, to spoil the lead, it is, uh, relentlessly charming. It, oh, it so is. And so twee. Really, I don't think it's twee. I think the opening think the titles, opening, the opening is very twee. Are very twee. I kind of hate that song. That's I hate like, the theme song they chose. Like for those of you who don't know, I tend to give Dory like way too much. Uh, he shits on the Decemberists. I, I give her happens. malarkey he about shits the Decemberists. On my favorite band. That's what happens. And it's not because the Decemberists are bad. It's because it's a stereotype and it gets a rise out of Dory and it's mean. But like, you know how like people like me who haven't really in fairness, listen to the Decemberists who like to make fun of the Decemberists think the Decemberists sound. That's what the opening song of this show sounds like. Yeah. I think it sounds more Lumineers-y. That's, and yeah. uh, I kind of hate the Lumineers cause they're kind of like the, the fake hipster folk band. They kind of hit the wave too late. And there's people who'd argue me, argue with me about that, but yeah. those people are wrong. Um, yeah, no, the, the theme song is bad. So here, so, I am. I haven't read the books either. Mm-hmm. I have seen all of the Canadian television series. How much of the it is there? Including how much of it is there? Yeah. So the Canadian television series is, I think, three movies or three three mini series. There's three mini series, and I think they each have three episodes, if I remember right. This is kind of how I remember watching them. So there's three when she's like a kid growing up at Green Gables. There's three when she's like kind of a young adult going to school. And then or she's a young adult and becomes a teacher and like turns into a woman or whatever. Um, she turns into a woman and... Much like the unicorn from Last Unicorn. <laughs> right. What? A wizard comes and turns Anne into a woman, and she's like, I'm not equipped for this, but she's I'm precocious, like, so I'll get this, by. I feel this body dying around me. That's my Mia Farrow impersonation. Oh, gosh. Mia Farrow as Anne of Green Gables, as the last unicorn. <laughs> as the last unicorn, <laughs> as Anne of Green Gables. This is, this is Mia Farrowception oh, no. is what's happened here. Anyway, uh, then there's this third miniseries, or is it just a movie, that everybody hates but me. 
because I am a soulless vampire of the night. Um, it's they, true. They made a third installment uh, that was not in any of the books that was about Anne's experience in World War One. Oh. And it involves her going o- overseas. So she's like in France where the fighting is doing some kind of war volunteering that was apparently okay. I don't, I haven't studied what they let women do in world war one. Um, while Gilbert is in the army and then also she's kind of stuck in this, this house hiding from air raids with Diana's husband who is enlisted and they have to look out for this kid who they later adopt. Anyway, it's super, it's super weird, and it feels really tonally dissonant from the original. And I think that's why people hate it, and it's why I kind of like it, because World War I is a steaming hot manure train that jammed through the idyllic days of the late 19th and early 20th centuries yeah, and just blew everybody's mind grapes all to crap. Oh, no, my mind grapes. Oh, no, my mind grapes, LL. So, oh, no, my mind grapes, LMM, as this <laughs> author, as this author's initials would be. But, yeah, so everybody hates the World War One part. I kind of liked it because I hate everyone. Well, and you like history, and I think there's something to be said for it as a piece of World War One media, it sounds like. yeah. It's, it's because you weird. get the thing that happened before that World War One kind of ruined. Yeah, there's a lot of like, uh, there's a lot of nostalgia properties about the early 20th century. I don't know why. Maybe it's just that those were the ones people started. Those were the first nostalgia pieces people put on film because. The first That's people to right do films when, were like, my childhood was right before the, the Great War. I mean, Anne of Green Gables was one of the very first silent films. Was it? There I was, didn't know that. I, uh, in, in some of my preliminary research, there was an adaptation of, Grand, of Anne of Green Gables done in 1908 in the silent era. It was a lost film, so I don't think we can watch it anymore, but apparently it, it was made. 1908? Yes. Wow, well, 1908? so, the, so the book must have come out in the I'm sorry, that's not 1890s. correct. Would it be 1928, maybe? No, it would be like 1918. 1918, that sounds about right, after the war. Probably everybody needed, like, innocence and cheerfulness. So, Which is that thing that Anne is really good at. Which, let's yeah, summarize it. Let's, let's talk about that. Yeah, Tim, why don't you do the, the plot synopsis this time? Okay. Um, gosh, it's, it's pretty simple, the initial thing. Uh, you have these two, this brother and sister who are in their senior age, uh, and they run a little farm uh, uh, with a house called Green Gables because mm-hmm. the roof is green. And it has gables. It does have gables. And it's a very charming little farm. And they want a boy to come be a farmhand. Yeah. So they send word to the orphanage, hey, we're going to adopt a boy. Send us one of your boys. And so he can become our farmhand. Uh, the message gets mixed up, and instead they get sent precocious ginger-haired uh Anne Anne Shirley who will not stop talking mm-hmm. is ridiculously precocious uh in the fact that she uses words that I don't think children now would know what they all mean I don't think some adults would be able to track every word she says 
Yeah. Um, she, she has this ridiculously large vocabulary and she's constantly talking about imagination and how she wishes the world would be. And she's bright and she's cheerful and she instantly wins over the brother who goes to pick her up from the train station and then they bring her home and then the brother's sister is like, I don't know if I like this. And then yeah. after a day, she's like, I really like this. And they decide to adopt Anne. Yeah. More or less. And it's, it's about Anne, uh, who is now in this blended family, mm-hmm. um, in turn of the century, Canada, Canada. Yep. yep. New, uh, Newfoundland, Newfoundland. And it's kind of the, the goings on of her life and the, how she kind of deals with being a disadvantaged person in a, in a new situation and yeah. learning to appreciate what she has and learning to show what she got, man. She's, it's the first time she's, she's 13 years old. It's the first time she's ever been part of a family. She's lived her whole life as an orphan. Um, the last place she lived before coming to live with, uh, Matthew and Marilla was, um, the home of a, a really cranky couple and their millions of children who basically made her do everything for them. And this was a thing we should mention. This is a thing we should mention. So that, that, that happened to kids or could it did. It did happen a lot. There were no child labor laws, uh, until like the 20th century. Mm. And in fact, the whole concept of like childhood being a, a special time and a protected time is something that comes out of the, the 19th century and didn't, didn't fully exist before that. Like clearly people weren't like, people weren't like here, kid, go build a ship, but you could get, you could get a job as a, as a eight or a 10 year old, you could be sent to be a family servant as a 12 or 13 year old, which is what Anne did. She, effectively was a babysitter and a housekeeper kind of an indentured servant. Yeah. For this family for who knows how long. Um, yeah. And the show is not pulling its punches about the fact that that is like a source of PTSD. Yes. So this is the, this is the elephant in the room. When you talk about Anne with an E, uh, the original series. And I think maybe the book, is very much like a rollicking adventure about this girl who has glommed onto the romantic authors like Walter Scott and the idea of early 19th century romanticism, living a plain country life in the early 20th century with a couple of people who are very practical and cannot afford to think romantically. And she brings this literary romance into their lives and they bring practicality to her and it's it's a big bundle of charmingness. Uh, somebody <laughs> along the way read Anne of Green Gables and was like, wait, 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 wait. You did all the chores for a family of six children. You probably have PTSD. We're going to do this series with PTSD. And that's a thing. And it's very interesting the way it works. Cause that's the first exposure we get to Anne. Mm-hmm. She's on a train and she hears a baby crying and she has a flashback. So the very first thing we learn about Anne in sequence is Anne has baggage mm-hmm. and deals with her baggage by being relentlessly romantic about everything. Yeah. So it kind of makes her instantly likable. Like, yes, she does talk too much and it can grade just a tick, but it's supposed to because, you know, 
I think you're meant to identify somewhat with the people who are beleaguered by her constant streams of imagination. Yeah. Like sometimes you just want to grip Anne and be like, oh, Anne, you mean so well, but you don't have good taste. Maybe it's just because <laughs> we're adults watching this now and we're like, gosh, children are annoying. <laughs> yeah. I like to think that this would be a show about a, a, an, a girl obsessed with anime, except that anime hasn't been invented yet when it was written. <laughs> She Basically, is. she's like a Walter Scott otaku. Yeah, a little bit. She, but Anne is so likable. She is because she's also, in addition to being very romantic, she's also very capable. I feel like the Canadian series sort of played up the the OG Canadian, the OG Canadian. Because this is Canadian too, mind you. Uh, the OG series kind of played up the whimsy, the fun and whimsy. And um, this series really captures that Anne has acquired a lot of skills because unlike the other children around her, she has not had their privilege. She's had to work hard and um, sometimes use her imagination and cleverness in tricky ways um, to avoid punishment or reprisals. And multiple times Anne proves herself. They really go out of their way to show the, the gap between Anne and town. Mm-hmm. The the brother and sister, the Cuthberts, pretty quickly come around to Anne. Yeah. Um, despite her unique personality and her precociousness. Mm-hmm. The rest of the town's like, oh, it's this orphan. We don't know anything about it. The Cuthberts are getting old. Ew. Yeah. And there's a... <laughs> and they don't give her the time of day. And there's a couple times where Anne's having had to survive... By learning things, uh, by learning skills that a child should not have to learn, saves people's lives twice. Yeah. yeah. So or, there's a, yeah. yeah, there's like a fire and she's there to help, help save people from the fire and then help with the rebuild of the house. Or there's, there'll be like a medical emergency and she knows what to do. Because and, she's the only one that's ever seen this illness before in a child because she was with the horrible family before and had to cure it a couple times, like mm-hmm. stuff like that. She's yeah. It's, it's really, I don't know. It's such a, like, we're just going to quell again about this. Cause it's a great series to have like a young girl who is simultaneously very girlish and kind of silly sometimes, but also very capable and that you can be, you can be both. You can have a lot of different, you have a lot of different facets to one person. Yeah. I think we we write ourselves into a corner where uh, we don't think that people who are imaginative and goofy can be uh, can also can also be very capable and very hardworking and interesting. But Anne is capable. Even off the bat, you see that she's very hardworking and that she is well-mannered. She just probably has like ADHD. So she she's always well-intentioned and she's very studious. She just also loses focus. Mm-hmm. So that studiousness kind of evaporates quickly. Because she's, she's a kid. Yeah, that's she's true. like still a kid. So I'm trying to think if I have any criticisms of this. Uh, Weirdly paced sometimes. Sometimes the pacing is weird. Sometimes stuff be- starts and ends in weird zones. Like we'll start, we'll end an episode with a cliffhanger and then it'll be like resolve first 10 minutes. Yay. And then like something will happen that's very dire in the first 10 minutes of an episode and leave the rest of the episode kind of hanging on its threads yeah, in a very strange fashion. But other than that, yeah, gosh, it, this is really good. It appears to be cut for streaming in that way. I've noticed that with a lot of 
with a lot of media that's meant to be streamed, and maybe it's not because you said it aired on CBC, but with a lot of things that are made to be streamed, I feel like they they just chop them up wherever they want because they know people are going to come back and watch the next thing, and they don't have to contain every episode within itself. It's more like there are so there's seven episodes in this season. Mm-hmm. It got renewed, by the way. Yes. So we'll get more, and you kind of knew it. Would. I kind of want to see this go all the way. I kind of want to see them stick all with the these. way to state <laughs> all the way to all through the books. I want to see, keep the same actors, see if we can have Anne grow up. I want to see him do a weird world war two th- or weird world, world war one thing. <laughs> they are adding stuff. Oh, are they? I think they're adding stuff that wasn't in it to spread it out a little bit. Uh, they would have to, um, what were we talking about? Uh, we were talking about, I can't remember. Oh, we were talking about how they cut things up for streaming. Um, I was also just going to say like, sometimes the PTSD thing kind of didn't work for me uh and again um if i might adjust my glasses (laughs) being a history nerd um i have to i have to say that sometimes the things that we would find traumatic today would not be as traumatic in the past because they were sort of normal so even things that are bad and that eventually we all looked around and said like this is bad Child, children shouldn't have to work. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, maybe let's not send Czechoslovakian babies down a coal mine. Um, that happened. Uh, not babies, not babies. They were at least seven. Um, <laughs> that makes it better. <laughs> yeah, there were little, little babies working in the coal mines. Anyway, uh, even things like that, I don't think, I don't, I don't necessarily think that people who lived in a time where that was common would find it as PTSD inducing by virtue of its being so common. Um, so some of that didn't really work for me. There were moments that were like weird and creepy. So there's a thing in, in both the book and the old series where she talks about having a window friend named Cordelia and you figure out that that Kate Cordelia or Kate Maurice. Oh, I thought it was Cordelia in, well, in the, I don't know. I thought it was Cordelia in the original. Is that the girl she talks to in the clock? That's really just her reflection. Yes. I was about to say... It's, it's Katie. I remember it's, it's Katie. It's Katie? Yeah. Oh, that's right. It's Katie, her window friend. And it's just her own reflection that she pretends is another person. Because... To cope, man. Yeah, because when she was in the orphanage, she didn't have that many friends, and so she had, like, a pretend imaginary friend. And in the in the book and in the original series, it's like, oh, she had an imaginary friend because she was a lonely kid. But then somebody read that, and they were like, that's kind of Nutter Butters, right? And so in this series, they have her sitting next to a clock after having like a bad crying spell from her PTSD. And then she looks in the in her reflection, in the clock and goes, are you there, Katie? Like she's Sybil Dorset or something. But I do like that they don't like explain what Katie is in a flashback because they don't like Katie's just there. And we're like, oh, this is clearly a thing. Uh, she references that she left her at the old house so that's where she clearly came up with this coping mechanism and then they don't really ever have to over explain it which i do well, kind of yeah, appreciate it, it is nice that they do show not tell because in the you know in the book in the old series it's all tell it's like oh katie was my window friend and it's kind of left to the viewer to be like oh she talked to herself this is a this I, is a coping thing i think the weird i think the weirdness of it as a coping mechanism is overplayed in this series i feel i feel i that. think it's kind of a normal thing for a young kid to have an imaginary friend or to talk to the mirror or to do something like that and it the way they frame it with her being like 
Are you there, Katie? <laughs> it's me, Sybil Dorset. <laughs> like, is a little bit, I, I don't know, a little bit overdone. Um, but that's just me. That's just me as a child who practiced kissing on my mother's rocking chair. Oh. Um, I don't think she knows about that. She does now. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Oh. But yeah, so uh, I want to introduce a segment now. Oh. Uh, we're going to call this segment Instant Message Theater. Okay. Hold for theme. Okay. <laughs> Instant message theater. So sometimes when we do this podcast, we don't get to watch the thing we're going to talk about together. And this is one of those times. And during those times, Tim sends me um, subtweety type messages. Oh my gosh. Through Facebook <laughs> I am. And I shall read those to you now. Uh, so imagine me getting these while I'm at work. Uh, Anne is instantly like what Belle would be if anyone at Disney could write character. Uh, and then the next day he sent me, she's such a drama llama. She is. I have to yell that cause it was all caps. Uh, same, same day. Uh, that one was at six Oh nine. Then at six thirty nine, he sent me, I need a gif of Anne scolding the dog saying, no, go home. <laughs> um, Oh, and then the next day, Oh, this no, is a very at seven, worthy show at seven twenty two PM. He said, we are all Anne. With an E. <laughs> this show is so, so charming. And then today at 1229, he sent me, Gilbert is such a cinnamon roll. He is. And, and we talked about, I had said to you earlier, if you don't make it all the way through this, that's okay. And so you texted me and said, I'm actually going to have to watch the whole show. I would like a medal. Zinc, please. I spelled medal with an T. You spelled medal with an T. Yes. And then said, zinc, please. And I said, no, the show is its own reward. And you said, no, but I deserve zinc. Can you imagine me getting zinc as a reward? Can you imagine it? Imagine me saying that like Little Orphan Anne. Oh, like, zinc, please. <laughs> Hello, it's me, Tiny Timpanogus. could you imagine me with zinc? Oh, because she, oh, she's like, with puffed sleeves. She's constant. whenever her aunt says you can't have a thing, she's like, but could you imagine me having it? <laughs> But can't you just imagine, just use your wildest imaginations? Oh, Anne. Oh, Anne with an E. Gosh. So those were your hot takes earlier. Do you stand by all of those? I stand by all those. Gilbert is such a cinnamon roll. And like they go to such lengths to make him the best boy. Mm, he is best no boy. No other boys are deserving of perfect Anne except Gilbert. Chivalrous, uh, sad, well-mannered. Gilbert Nye ever does anything even wrong ever. See, and it's funny because in the in the old series they set that up as a rivalry, where he's more are... antagonistic. In this version, he's instantly like, "Man, this redhead's hot. I want to not hot. He's like, I think she's cute. I want to be in sweet innocent child love with her." Mm-hmm. And she and she's not allowed to be in innocent child love with him because her friend likes him. She she pretty much instantly likes him, but can't. Mm-hmm. So the animosity kind of grows out of an obligation and she's not even aware of it. Yeah. And in the book, it's like they're very obviously in child love, but they become academic rivals. <laughs> and he is like so adorbs. And so his he's got an ailing father. <laughs> he's got obligations. He's also wise beyond his years in a way. And He's Tom from Daria. 
He is kind of Tom from Daria. Except He's... with a dying father. Yeah. Just to sink, just, just you know, to drive the, the knife in deeper. Just to drive the knife in deeper. <laughs> um, so we're out, almost out of time. We got maybe two, three minutes left. Any? Do you have any final thoughts? Is there anything we haven't talked about? We haven't talked about the casting, just how it's really good. Oh, yeah. The casting is really good. The, the main little girl does a great job. Her performance is sometimes kind of uneven, but you know what? You kind of expect that with a kid. As, as for, yeah, her name is Amy Beth McNulty. I also, like, kudos to one of my favorites, Geraldine James as uh, Marilla Cuthbert. This Marilla Cuthbert is great, man. Oh, yeah, she's so good. Like, because it's really hard to make this character who's really kind of stern and and very not really giving emotionally mm-hmm. be very, very likable and sympathetic. But she's so likable, and you get there's a real kinship between her and Anne because of the way they challenge each other. Mm-hmm. Um and that's part of why the show works so well is because Marilla and Anne have such a good chemistry. Yeah. Also, this Anne is younger, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Than the last version. In the last version. It they, kind of makes it better. Well, in the last version, they wanted to use the same actress for the whole series. And so they, they chose an adult so that they could age her down with costumes and makeup and then age her back up to her real age. And in this one, they actually got a, a kid, like a real freaking kid. It, and it adds something to it, I think. Honestly. Yeah. So you were telling me, too, that you went down some kind of rabbit hole of the backlash against this. Oh, yeah. Against this adaptation. I was, lo- I was looking it up online because I wanted to be like, what happens next? Because it ends on kind of a weird cliff note hangover. Cliff note hangover? Yeah. Cliffhanger. That's what I was thinking That's the hangover of. you get from reading too many cliff notes. <laughs> um, and apparently there are a lot of fans... There are a lot of fans of Anne of Green Gables. Mm-hmm. There's like Anne of Green Gables fans. Like, I don't know if they have a convention, but they probably should. Oh, I've never met a woman my age that hadn't seen it. Yeah. So there's a lot of people who really like the classic version. And I don't think that audience overlaps with the new TV audience that we have. People who like things like Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, one of the writers on Breaking Bad was one of the writers for this show. Well, I think people... The show was, by the way, I think the showrunner was a woman for this show. I think these people may like Breaking Bad, but they don't want Anne of Green Gables to be like Breaking Bad. They want it to be the way they remember it as kids. Uh, I think in the original series, Anne is the kid audience surrogate. And then in this version, I think this version is more for adults and we're meant to identify a little bit more with Matthew and Marilla. But I feel like it's for everybody. I feel like a kid, a kid maybe a little older, maybe they'd have to be eight, nine or 10. Yeah. But I feel like this is a family show, which is one reason why I really like it. Yeah. Feature films for families. (laughs) I I feel like if I was a 12 or 13 year old girl, I would really like this show. Yeah. I'm going to recommend this show to my mom, and I never get to recommend my mom anything. Oh, your mom will eat this up. Mom, you really should watch this show. It's good. I, uh, 12-year-old Dory approves, and 12-year-old Dory was surprisingly discerning, in spite of her love of Battlefield Earth. (laughs) Unironic love of Battlefield Earth. All right, well, we're about out of time. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. You can follow the committee on Twitter at JDRefcomLove. You can follow me on Twitter at Dory Peacock. You can follow Tim on Twitter at CyberMormon. You can follow, you can, oh, not follow. You can find us on Facebook at the Judgment Day Refreshment Committee. You can email us at 
jdrclove at gmail.com. You can also snort us up your lovely nostrils like cocaine. Uh, just kidding, you can't do that. I was just running out of things to say. Uh, oh, visit our website. That's the other thing you can do. jdrefreshmentcommittee.com. Um, you are all wonderful special unicorns, I guess, and these are our sign-offs. You blew my mind, Grapes. LMM. <laughs> okay, remember, we won't judge you, but we will bring the jello salad to your trial. Who calls me his own turtle dog? Where I cook in the door and sleep on.